is the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And here we are, Saturday morning, Dave Rothenberg with you, 98.7 ESPN, as we have now gone from regular season to the postseason. It is very different when you get to the playoffs of the NHL. And of course, it is the Hockey Show brought to you by the All-American Auto Group with locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. And Slowman's call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera. With the installation of your Slowman Shield, keep your family safe. All you have to do is call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Well, it didn't take long for some nastiness. It didn't take long for some unlikability between the Rangers and the Penguins. Two teams that I think it's fair to say don't love each other to begin with. And now seeing each other in a best of seven series. And now if this goes seven, it's almost like they play at least eight because that first game earlier this week was almost like a double header. Rangers open up Stanley Cup playoffs at home against Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, no Tristan Jari for the Pens. He's out with injury. So let's revert back to game one. Casey DeSmith, the backup goalie in the Nets. Rangers struck first in period one. Adam Fox on the power play, giving the Rangers a one nothing lead. Uh, it was a shot that really DeSmith just couldn't see. Zabinijad and Kreider on the assist, and now you have a one nothing Rangers lead. Second period, Rangers continued. Uh, I guess it's fair to say kind of their domination. There's a goal by Andrew Kopp, puts the Rangers up 2 to nothing. Strom and Truba with the assists at uh, 3.08. So 17 minutes to go, or thereabouts, in period number two. Rangers with a 2 nothing lead. Garden is electric. I mean, people just, you know, on, on a fever pitch at Madison Square Garden. So you felt great about it at the moment. But then the Penguins kind of shifted the momentum. Now they took over less than a minute and a half later. And that has been an issue for the Rangers early on in this series. By the way, before we continue along here and tell you that the, the Penguins shift momentum, we have a lot. We're going to run through the first couple of games, uh, look ahead to the, the coming week for this series. John Giannone from MSG Networks is going to join us a little bit later. So a lot to do. But let's bring you back. Uh, period two, Rangers up 2 nothing at 3.08 of the second period. At 4.32, Jake Gensel finds a, a hole in the Rangers' defense for what turned out to be an easy goal, cutting the deficit uh, to just one. Uh, Sidney Crosby and Brian Rust on the assists, and it's a 2-1 game. Seven minutes later, still period number two, Jake Gensel um, scores again. Crosby and Rust, this is, not, this is not deja vu. This is these guys doing it all over again. So now we're tied at 2 and two late stages of the second period. So after that, um, gorgeous move by Zibanejad, who, who centers the puck for Chris Kreider as the Rangers are shorthanded. Um, Kreider receives the pass, makes a move, walks in, shoots, and scores, giving the Rangers a 3-2 lead. That's at 17.07 of period number two. But the five-on-three persisted. Rangers did a really good job of killing it off. And with three seconds left with the two-man advantage, 
Nothing that uh, Igor Shosturkin could do. Brian Rust on the doorstep scores, making it 5-3. That was on a 5-on-3 again. Rust, his first of the postseason. Uh, Malkin and Latang with the assist. We go into the third period, tied at 3. All the way through the third period, tied at 3. Late stages of the third period, tied at 3. But it seemed like no longer was it tied at 3. Truba. Moves it up the boards, past Dumoulin. Played at center by Kako with Lafreniere. Kako down the right wing, cuts to the net. A collision with the goaltender, centers, score! Filipino! The Rangers take a 4-3 lead. And that, of course, Kenny Albert right here on 98.7 ESPN. The key piece of that phraseology, Kako collides with the goaltender because they decided to review it. They did. Kako crashes into DeSmith. The play was reviewed. And here is what the officials had to say following what looked like a Rangers 4-3 lead. Here comes the verdict. There was goaltender first, therefore we have no goal. Yeah. You can hear the displeasure of Rangers fans all over the place because you go up 4-3, there's about three minutes to go with Shesterkin in between the pipes. You have to figure you have a pretty good chance of putting the finishing touches on game one, taking a one nothing lead. But alas, that did not happen. Game goes into overtime, no goals. Another overtime, no goals. Now, in the second overtime, DeSmith actually pulled himself due to injury and a, a man by the name of Louis Deming came in the third string netminder for the Penguins, he's now between the pipes, actually played very well. Prevented the Rangers from capitalizing on him, coming off the bench cold uh, in the third overtime. Late on Tuesday night, this happened. Now Kapanen, Kapanen stick handling. Kapanen far corner, back out to the point. Marino was shot, they score! The Penguins win it! The shot by Marino beats Shesterkin. It beats Shesterkin, and it was deflected by Malkin, uh, Marino, and Kapanen with the assist. And game one all wrapped up. And after almost two full games of hockey, Rangers trail this best of seven by the score of one game to nothing. Now, I mean, to say Igor Shesterkin was tremendous would be an understatement. 79 shots he stopped. All four goals really could do nothing about. Regardless, the Rangers were in a one nothing series hole. The reaction from what happened in the doubleheader, really, for game one, here is Gerard Gallant. Reaction to the game one loss. Great game. Yeah, great game by two teams. Uh, that we, uh, the first 25 minutes, we were real good and do- dominated that part of the game. And then they come back in the second and uh, they played really well after that too. So it was, you know, one of those games and obviously three overtime periods, it's tough to lose like that. But, you know, you get back on the horse and get ready for the next game. It, it is fair to say that from probably about the, the three, four minute mark of the second period Almost all the way through all the overtimes, the Penguins were the better team. The Rangers were clearly the better team in the first period. They were physical. They were aggressive. The crowd was uh, at a fever pitch. But Pittsburgh did a decent job of weathering the storm in the first. It was just a one nothing game. Rangers scored to make it 2 nothing. Pittsburgh fought back and, of course, won their way to a 4-3 triple overtime victory. Here is more from Gerard Gallant saying, we just got a little bit too cute in the second period. 
I thought we had a great 25 minutes, and then it seemed like we started doing those little plays again. Instead of driving it deep and finishing our checks like we did in the first period, we started to get away from that a little bit, and I thought it cost us. And then, obviously, that you know the penalties we got, it slowed our momentum down a little bit, and then they scored that five-on-three goal. So, but just uh, I thought we played real well, but again, that uh, when we started doing these little plays and turnovers in the neutral zone instead of driving it deep like we did in the first, that was a difference in the game. And the Rangers stopped playing the way they played, and it, it, it cost them, and they allowed a couple of goals in the uh, – actually, three goals in the second period on 25 shots for Pittsburgh. So the momentum had clearly shifted there in the uh, second period. A lot of people had a major, major issue, right? It was kind of 50-50 split. Should it have been a goal? Should it not have been a goal? Late stages of the third period, uh, Gerard Gallant actually said he, he didn't have an issue with them disallowing that goal. No, I, I, I'd like to say I do, but you know what? It was going the other way in a 3-3 hockey game. It was, you know, to me, it was 50-50 call, and I sort of felt it was going to go against us. So I can't, uh, I can't argue with that. The thing that strikes me is it, they called it a goal, right? If they said no goal and you want to confirm that it's no goal, I guess I could live with that. To call it a goal and then go back and overturn it is where I really have the issue. But regardless, Rangers lose it 4-3 triple overtime. Ryan Strom says we mostly played a good game, just really a, a tough luck loss for us out there. I don't think we were as assertive in the second period and hard on the forecheck, but, you know, all in all, I thought we, we played a good game. I think a lot of guys battled really hard. A lot of gutsy efforts by a lot of guys, and um, unfortunately just came on the wrong side of a, a triple overtime great hockey game. And the Rangers were, of course, down one nothing in this series, but Strom had his take on the disallowed goal as well. Yeah, tough. Obviously, you want those calls to go your way. I mean, uh, game happens so fast. Obviously, he's not trying to run in the goalie or anything. And I thought it was a call that could go either way. So, you know, it is what it is. I mean, to look back on something like that now, I mean, it was a six or three overtime game or whatever. So, I mean, you could look back on many small plays during the game. Obviously, that one, we would like to go our way, but it's probably a 50-50 call and they got it this time. So. Maybe it's the Rangers fan in me, but am I wrong to say that most 50-50 calls seemingly go against the Rangers and not for the Rangers? So there we have it. Uh, trailing one nothing, heading into Game 2. Here's what we'll do. We'll take a quick break and come back and really dive deep into Game 2 of what now turned out to be a almost must-win for the Rangers at the Garden. We'll do that next right here. It's the Hockey Show Saturday morning. Me and you on a rainy day on 98.7 ESPN. Andy from Merrick presents today's Defensive Analytics, sponsored by Slomans, the leader in home defense. The Rangers' Igor Shesterkin is the best goaltender in the NHL, and his Game 1 performance against the Penguins with 79 saves is all the evidence you need. Interestingly, those 79 saves in a single playoff game are only the second highest total, with Junis Corposalo registering 85 saves back in 2020. The Islanders' Kelly Rudy ranks number three with a 73-save performance in 1987. Back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. This is Tom Laidlaw, the New York Rangers. You are listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN New York. Well, thanks, Tom. It is Rothenberg with you on this Saturday morning here on 98.7 ESPN. So we left you off like, like last Batman was was troubling. Batman was in trouble. Robin was tied up as well. And and what would happen is the Joker seemed to be in complete control. 
Well, it's hard to call game two of a series a must win, but when you lose the first game at home and triple overtime, if you're the Rangers, you, you're feeling pretty awful if you head to Pittsburgh down 2 nothing with their third-string goalie in net. No Ryan Lindgren in this game. So Justin Braun took his place. Barclay Goodrow was also out, so Dryden Hunt slotted into that fourth line. And after the game, uh, Gerard Gallant classified Goodrow as week-to-week, week, which is certainly not great news for the Rangers. So we won't see him for, for probably some time. Rangers, once again, uh, started strong in this game, though. Uh, Andrew Kopp scored to make it one to nothing. Rangers. Kopp, his second of the postseason at 6.50. Panarin and Justin Braun with the uh, assist. But then, let's be fair, um, he's a playmaker. He's creative. He can be wonderful at times. But Artemi Panarin with a bad pass in the neutral zone. A terrible turnover. Uh, the Crosby line then then comes down. Gensel ties the score uh, for Gensel, his third already. And again, it's in that minute and a half range right after at 8.52 of the first period. Um, now you're looking at a 1-1 game end of uh, of the first. So uh, there you have it. Second period, Rangers, they finally, and to the, uh, the raucous crowd cheering, got themselves a power play. And on that power play, oh, they capitalized. Pass to Panarin to the near wing. Cross ice pass to Zabanajad. Zabanajad backhand to Strom. Kicks it back out. Here's Fox to Panarin. Panarin gobbles it up in the near circle. Nine seconds to go. Fox with a blast deflected by Kreider. And they score on the power play. 2-1 Rangers. And that, of course, Don LaGreca right here on 98.7 ESPN. Actually, it was Strom who got a piece of this one, but he's right on the power play. Strom, his first Fox and Panarin with the assist. Now you're looking at 2-1 Rangers. Um, Then it was 3-1. And how did it become 3-1? Here's how. Kreider wrists it back over to Truba. Truba chips it back out to Petrano. Petrano with a shot deflection score, and I believe this time it's Kreider that's going to get it, and the Rangers take a 3-1 to lead. You're right, Don. This time, in fact, it was Chris Kreider, his second of the postseason. Vetrano and Keandre Miller with the assist. That made it 3-1. to Rangers look to be heading into the second intermission with a two-goal lead, but again, Sidney Crosby managed to get around three Rangers, put one past Shesterkin. That makes it 3-2. In the third period, Pittsburgh came out really on fire. Shesterkin made a couple of huge saves, keeping the Rangers ahead. And then Panarin, who hasn't had the best start to the series, he got what we call some puck luck. Panarin now to the near corner, climbing the near wall. Panarin still with it. Passes back out to the point. Miller dangles the blue line straight away. Back out to the far wing. Cross ice pass goes to Panarin, but he fanned on his shot. Spins, gets it on his backhand behind the net. Centers one, bounces off of Matheson, and the Rangers score and take a 4-2 lead. What a great call from Don. Yes, that is correct. It bounces off of Matheson into the goal. Rangers take a 4-2 lead. And then from that moment on, you felt like things had kind of stabilized 4-2. And then the icing on the proverbial cake with one more goal for the Blue Shirts. Here comes Vetrano. Gets around a check of Matheson. Wrist the shot and scores! Frank Vetrano gives the Rangers a 5-2 lead. Vetrano's first. Schneider with the assist. 5-2 is the score. 5-2 is your final. After two games, we are now 1-1 in the series. Gerard Gallant, Rangers head coach, after the game. How big was Igor down the stretch of this one? 
Yeah, he made three or four real good saves in the third for sure. Early on when it was 4-3, so that was huge for us because we, we came out and that was probably the worst, the worst four or five minutes we had in the whole game. So that was big. Yeah, the Rangers had a couple of moments where they were not playing well. Um, Pittsburgh hit the post, and Rangers come down, get that really fortunate goal from Panarin, then Vitrano, and then they put this one on ice. More from Gallant, happy with the victory, but he knows his team can play better hockey. It's good to get on the board, but it's even better when you play a complete game, and we need to play that a little bit better. Like every time we seem to get some momentum going, we give it back to them, and we can't keep doing that. we got to play better and stronger hockey in our D zone. All right, so coach, get into specifics. What what actually needs to be better? No, I mean offensively, we had some great chance we created, but I just think we got to be better defensively. You know, we're better, stronger defensively when we're quick in the D zone. We're a real good team, and I think to, we're sitting in the in the in the slot too much, and they're getting too many chances from their point creating stuff. And we got to be quicker. And we got to be better. I guess eighty three shots on goal in game one. He considers to be just just too many. Um, Sidney Crosby has looked like, if not the best player in hockey, certainly one of the best players in hockey early on in this series. So, uh, how has your team gone and, and tried to defend Sid the Kid? Well, I still think he's a dangerous player a lot. But again, I talked about you know matching up. I mean, Mika's line plays against him quite a bit, but. You know, it's it's any who next guy's up, whoever's playing against that line got to do a good job. And I think overall, you know, we, we contain them a little bit, but they're great players. Gensel and Crosby are good players. That line's a real top line, and they're tough to defend. So I think overall we did a, a decent job, but again, they're going to get their chances. I'll tell you what, if you can figure out a way, not, not even to stop them, because it's not, I don't think it's possible, to slow down that Crosby line, all of a sudden this becomes a much easier series. I, I think they have, what, one point outside of that Crosby line in the entire series so far. So if you can somehow figure out a way to slow down that line, it all immediately changes. Now, there was a moment, and you know the moment, at the end of the game, Igor Shosturkin comes out of the crease. Then he takes a massive spill, and your heart is in your throat. I think he was fine the entire time, and he played it up a little bit. But Gerard Glant, what was your reaction when Igor went down? I wasn't too happy, obviously, in a game like that. I mean, there was no reason for it, and uh, you know, so I was I was disappointed. I'm going after him a little bit like that, and Carter Carter's a good, honest player, you know, but but it just didn't look good to me. It didn't look good. Uh, Rick DiPietro did say on our morning show that he didn't think it was that awful. Rangers got a power play. They made sure that Ryan Reeves was on the ice during the power play uh, to keep things as uh, as within reason as humanly possible. Rangers didn't need a goal, didn't get one, and they win this game by the score of 5-2. to two. So Rangers lose game one in triple overtime. They win game two in regulation. All right, take a breath because later tonight, Back at it, Game 3 in Pittsburgh at 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. We have a giveaway alert, people. That's right. We have a Mika... Big news! Jazz hands! (laughs) Big, big news. We have a Mika Zibanejad signed puck to giveaway. It's easy to enter. Here's what you do. You text GOAL, G-O-A-L, to 44202. Again, that's GOAL, to 44202. We will then select a winner at random, and send them the signed puck, all from your home for the hookup, your good friends right here at 98.7 ESPN. All right, so game one, we've gone through. Game two, we've gone through. In just a moment, John Giannone from MSG will join us. We'll get his reaction to the first couple games. And moving forward, what do the Rangers need to do to, at a minimum, 
split the next two in Pittsburgh. All that and so much more coming your way this Saturday morning on the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. Today's Hockey Heart Spotlight shines not on a charity or a foundation, but on the NHL players themselves as the most giving of all professional athletes. This is best illustrated by the story of a young man named Cameron. Cameron is 22 years old and has autism. He and his father attend more than 50 Islander games each season. At each home game, Cameron can easily be spotted during warm-ups along the glass at center ice wearing a Casey Sezikis jersey and a bright orange hat. Casey and Cameron have developed a special relationship in the building with a high five prior to each game, as well as outside the arena as well in the community. In fact, most of the team knows Cameron and they go out of their way to uplift this hardcore fan who just happens to have a disability, even when the cameras and media are not around to see their kindness. Hockey Heart Spotlight is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohn. For two decades, providing high-end legal services for families who have a child with a disability. The power play is to call 516-877-0595 or go to the web at amcohenlaw.com. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. This is Adam Graves of the New York Rangers. You're listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg on 98.7 ESPN New York. Oh, it makes you feel so important when a guy like Graves gives you an introduction here on a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you as we roll along, having recapped the first couple of games earlier on in the show. Now we bring in just a moment. I mean, a big star. They have big stars at the MSG Networks, right? They continue to air every game during the Rangers' first-round series against the Penguins. Pre-game coverage of Game 3 will get underway on MSG Network starting tonight at 6.30. Puck drop at 7 o'clock. It's John Giannone, host the pre-game as well as an expanded one-hour post-game show for every opening round telecast alongside two goaltenders, Henrik Lundqvist and Steve Valaket. We bring in um, one of the voices, big stars of MSG, and that, of course, is John Giannone. Good morning, John. How are you? Good morning, Dave. I like your hyperbole. When I'm sitting next to Henrik Lundqvist, I am hardly the big star, but I appreciate you having me on. Anytime I can be on a, something called a hockey show, I'm all for it. Well, we'll take it, and we love it. And, we, and on our hockey show, you are the big star. All right, so lot to do here. Lots to kind of slice through. Um, you know, they say playoff hockey is different. And boy, the regular season is exciting and it's got a lot of energy and the Rangers had a wonderful regular season. But you watch the first couple of games in the postseason and they say it's different for a reason. It really is, isn't it? I mean, watching these first two games is different than any, anything I think we've seen all regular season long. It's so startling, right, Dave? Like when we can notice it, either you know, standing outside the glass or watching it on television, then you know how noticeable it is. And I don't think anybody can really speak to it in true terms unless they experience it. And I know that that was a big question coming into the playoffs for the Rangers because they had nine guys who had never played in a playoff game. Now, you know, a few of them did play in those bubble games against Carolina a few years ago, but that really didn't count for any number of reasons. Most notably, there weren't any fans in the stands. So the intensity is totally different. And to see how well, by and large, these nine guys have handled that stage and that specter has been pretty impressive. And I think where you see it, Dave, more than anything else, 
we know Ryan Reeves is going to finish every check. And what he did to Evgeny Malkin in, in game two on Thursday in that first period really kind of set a tone, right? It kind of established for everybody on both teams that the Rangers are going to be intent on finishing checks. And that's where you see the difference in intensity. Oftentimes when a defenseman goes back in the regular season, he knows that he might take some pressure, but he's not going to take a hit that might put him through the glass. And that seems to happen with all 18 skaters on both teams pretty much all the time. And that's the biggest noticeable difference in intensity between regular season and playoffs. And, you know, the crowd, too. Uh, I mean, just just a, a regular yeah. season crowd and the Rangers crowd. And you know, this is some of the best in, in hockey and they they understand the game and they know when to make noise and when to not. But just just like the, the atmosphere in the garden is 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 dialed up when you get to the playoffs. It's decibel level for sure. In fact, we had Ryan Strom on after the first period of game one, and he said, I've been in the league now for seven or eight years, and I've never heard a building as loud as the Garden was on game one, and it's only going to get louder. I think it's a, it's a fascinating social experiment when you consider where the noise comes from. It's excitement and passion as well, but there's a certain level of dread and anxiety and, and anxiousness about uh, how the fans are feeling in the stands because they know how magnified every play is and it just gets that much more built up and the, you know the the tension in the building during the first overtime then the second then the third in game one on Tuesday was so palpable even coming through the TV screen and that's that's I think also what makes the playoffs so much different just the urgency with which every play is felt by everybody in the stands and kudos to the Rangers fans and I think we'll see starting tonight for the next two games it's going to be massively intense in Pittsburgh because those fans, A, are used to success, and B, are as passionate as any. I mean, obviously they have the Steelers, but the Pirates barely exist and they don't have a basketball team. So the Penguins are a hugely intense fan base, and the Rangers are going to hear it and feel it starting tonight. Uh, I'm sure they will. And, and if you want to add a C in there as well, um, this could be the end of the run, right? This could be the end of the, the way this current Penguins team looks. So I think that they, they noticed that as well. Um, I want to bring you back, and I know that Valaket was hot on this, and, and Henrik was not as hot on this, but was that a bad call at the end of game one? Three minutes ago, they put the puck in the net, they overturn it for uh, – you know, goalie interference. And you, I know the guys you work with thought it wasn't wasn't the right call. Did you think it wasn't the right call? I thought it was interesting, Dave, because, you know, you're right. Steve was adamant. He thought it should have been a goal. Henrik was a little less adamant, but I loved his comment that if I was the goalie and I got hit, I can guarantee you that shouldn't have been a goal. So he was looking at it, as, as does everybody, through the lens and perspective of their own experience. You won't get a Rangers fan who would say that that was a fair call. You won't get a Penguins fan who won't say, of course that's goalie interference. What I will say is this, the explanation given by the league was that the goalie was unable to properly field his position because of contact. Now, what they also said was Capo Caco's path to the net was through the blue paint and whether Dumoulin encouraged that by nudging him from behind to them is secondary to the fact that Kapokaka would have initiated and did initiate contact with the goaltender, thereby making him unable to field that second shot. Had Kapokaka scored on the first attempt, it wouldn't have been goalie interference because at the time the shot would have been taken, the goalie had a chance. But it was that second chance that made him unable because he slid through and out of the crease. My feeling on it was this. 
the call on the ice was a goal. Was there enough conclusive evidence to overturn it? Chris Lee said and thought, yes, I was a little less certain that on replay it was definitive. When you keep hearing people say, including Gerard Gallant, I thought it was 50-50, and a lot of people said, I thought it was 50-50. I don't know if 50-50 is definitive enough to overturn what the call on the ice was, and that was my only concern about the entire call. But Chris Lee thought, and he's the only one who really matters, and the people in Toronto, that it was definitive enough to do the overturn. Well, you do realize if the Rangers lose this series, that's going to be something that's discussed for a very long time. But they're 1-1, game three tonight. You can hear it right here on 98.7 ESPN. And, and John Giannone with us now on the Hockey Show uh, has the expanded post-game show, uh, one full hour after everything with uh, Henrik Lundqvist and Steve Valaket and pregame as well. So in watching these first couple of games, and this is my, my, what I told Rick DiPietro who I do the, the morning show with, and Obviously, mm-hmm. he has a lot of insight into the NHL, into hockey, and everything that goes on. Was this is a resilient bunch, John? And after Game One, we had the discussion of how do and, and do they bounce back heading into Game Two? And I said, you know, every time this entire season, they had a moment where they stared, you know, I guess difficulty in the eye. They answered the bell. I had very little doubt that they wouldn't come out and play a good game and, and find their way to a victory uh, in game two. And, and I, I just I have this air and I don't know if you have this this air of confidence. They might not win the cup. I get that. But just an air of confidence that the moment won't too, be too big and they will find their way to playing well in the big moments this postseason. Well, I will say this, Dave. I did sit down interviews with 10 Rangers uh, before the playoffs started. And when I asked them to define the hallmark element of this Rangers team this year, seven of the 10 used the term resilient. And I think that's really what what has been the most significant development on this Rangers team. And kudos to Gerard Gallant for helping to build that. But the leadership base of this team is real good at not allowing moments whether it be shift to shift, period, game, week to week, whatever it is, to build. And we saw that in the fact that it took until game 81 to lose three straight regulation games. That hadn't happened all year. And the one that they lost to make it three in a row was against Montreal, where they sat out eight guys. So that really doesn't count. And the fact that they've had 27 come-from-behind wins where they were trailing in a game, which is an ungodly number and the most the Rangers have ever had in a season. So when you see the resilience they've had during the regular season, quite often things don't carry over to postseason. That element does. That esoteric feel that they have in that room that we are never out of a game. Now, I will say this, two games in, and it's actually been two games plus nearly three periods, the Rangers have never played with a deficit. They have not trailed for a single second of this series so far, except when Yevgeny Malkin tipped in the puck at 558 of the third overtime. So they haven't had to be that resilient. The issue they're concerned with right now through two games is too often after they score a goal, after they have a big moment, there seems to be either a letdown on their end or a surge on Pittsburgh's end that sort of nullifies whatever momentum they had built. So I think in the what Gerard Gallant called imperfect first two games from them, I think their focus right now more than anything else is on building and keeping momentum, especially after they score a goal. Now, one guy, and, and I say one guy, and I think you know where I'm going to go. We'll get to a couple of the, the younger players and, and the power play and all that kind of stuff and what needs to happen moving forward. But, I, I mean, he, he's great. And I don't think anybody denies the greatness of Shesterkin. But still, and like you mentioned, you don't really consider the, the Carolina bubble to be postseason. The, this is his first foray into the playoffs. And to have given 
the Rangers this to start his postseason career is I don't I can't even put it in into words how phenomenal he's been and these are not you know chances from the point John these are a lot of them point blank chances unless you have someone in front or there's a scrum or a rebound you almost can't score on him are you at all I guess I use the word surprise for lack of a better word at all surprised that he is playing at this level as he starts his foray into the playoffs. I guess I've grown, as most people have, including Eric Lundqvist, to be not surprised, only given that he's played to the back of his hockey card since he established his hockey card in Russia at the age of 18 and 19. He was putting up numbers in Russia that video game players put up, and it made no sense that a guy can have a 1.1 goals against for an entire season and a 950 save percentage. And when he came to the United States and played for that short time in, in Hartford, everybody said smaller ice surface, better talent, uh, you know, more physical, quicker game. All of that might, you know, bring him back down to earth. It never happened. Then he gets summoned, and within several weeks, David Quinn decides he's going to be my number one goalie, even though he has, you know, an aging Henrik Lundqvist still on his roster. He has continued to do it and defied anybody's belief that he can't do it. So to see what he's done in the playoffs so far, maybe the only thing, Dave, that surprised me was just how mentally sharp he still was for game two after what he faced in game one. 83 shots on goal. And and then and then to surrender the goal that lost the game had to be crushing for him. Forget about how much physical toil there was, but just the mental element of being able to forget about it in 44 hours, come back and put forth the performance he did in Game 2 on Thursday is so massively impressive. There are so many people who know so much more about hockey than I do who say, I just can't envision this guy losing four games in a seven-game span against any team. So while that might be a little hyperbole, I still do believe that he does, as I said on the very beginning of the first game of the series, he gives them a puncher's chance to go the distance. Uh, I make no prediction that they'll hoist the cup, but if you have Igor Shesterkin in the net, he gives you an opportunity to believe you can. He really is sensational. Now, uh, let's get into, uh, we talk about him, young kid, obviously. Um, Some of the younger players that I I think have really now, it's been at home, and I think that's a big advantage, the Lafreniere, the Cacos of the world, and and that will change with the venue changing in the game tonight in Pittsburgh. But they've played, I thought, really, really well. That, That kid line has been excellent for the Rangers in the first two games of the series. They were real good in game one. Uh, I will say that, Dave, and they definitely earned the coach's confidence because if there was any question mark about what the Rangers would do and how they would look, having not played in the playoffs in five years, the biggest question mark was around a line of three guys who, uh, you know, Philip Hedl in the middle, four years, Capococco, three years, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, two years. How would they handle not only the stage, but the, as we talked about earlier, massive increase in intensity and physicality and speed and all the things that you see in the playoffs? Game one, they were real good. And, and I think maybe a, a little less effective or noticeable in game two, but still enough to where, Gerard Galland seems to have full confidence in what they do heading into tonight's Game 3. They've handled the stage well. I think Adam Fox has handled the stage well. Uh, I I think uh, Keandre Miller has handled it real well. And that pairing with Jacob Trubin now seems to be as reliable as any. And obviously with Ryan Lindgren out for Game 2, 
uh, Adam Fox had to adjust to a new defense partner. And a guy, Jason Bra- uh, Justin Braun, who had played 100 playoff games in his career more than any other Ranger, but still hadn't played very much down the stretch. I thought he acquitted himself okay. So you look at this young team, again, the guys we've talked about who had never experienced this, 20-year-old Braden Schneider, who seems very much at home as third-pair D and and has handled what he needs to handle against the bottom two lines of the Penguins very well in the first two games. So far, so good. I think of the things that you're concerned about from a Ranger standpoint, the young guys handling the stage should not be one of them so far. Yeah, certainly not. John Giannone with us here on the Hockey Show on Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. So they get the split, and many would argue, and I think rightfully so, they, they could have easily won both games uh, at home with the first two. What needs to happen for, at a minimum, John, the Rangers to, to come back to the Garden for Game 5, tied 2-2, to at least pick up the split in Pittsburgh? I think, uh, Dave, more than anything else, Henrik Lundqvist put it best. The elements of the game that the Rangers need to bottle and bring to Pittsburgh starting tonight is that physicality that we saw, again, when Ryan Reeves put Evgeny Malkin right through the boards in the first period and maybe set the stage. That and the tenacity, line to line to line, to pound the puck. Because when the Rangers play their best, especially in the offensive zone, that's what they do. They scored the goal last uh, two nights ago with Artemi Panarin hounding the puck. They had the puck in the zone for 61 seconds. And finally, Panarin from below the goal line threw it in front. It hit off Mike Matheson's skate and went in. That was a hugely important goal that made it 4-2 at a time where the Rangers knew they needed a press because the Penguins dominated the first eight minutes of the third period. So when you look at that shift as a microcosm of what the Rangers do really well, it is puck possess in the offensive zone and wear down the Penguins. The second thing is you look at the goal scorers in the first two games for Pittsburgh, there's only four guys, Crosby, Gensel, Rust, and Malkin. And those are their four best offensive players. If Pittsburgh can't find a way to get some secondary scoring or any offense from their defense, they are not going to be able to sustain that for a whole series. And so far, the Rangers' bottom two lines have done a good job of outplaying the Penguins' bottom two lines. Now the Penguins get the final change for lines uh, in two games at home. We'll see if Mike Sullivan makes any adjustment to either get more ice time for those veteran players or to try to get something out of the bottom two lines. So I do believe that, you know, given the fact that there is uncertainty about the Penguins' goaltending situation, I don't think we're going to see Tristan Jari in the series at all. Uh, But given that and given the fact that the Rangers have Igor Shesterkin plus the fact that the older, most experienced Penguins players have now played almost three games in a two-game so far series, can they sustain ice time and effectiveness without any help from the bottom two? All that said, I do believe the Rangers get at least a split in the next two games. Well, they better. Otherwise, you're going to have a a panicked New York Rangers fan base in the uh, tri-state area. John, listen, great great stuff. Uh, Really appreciate you waking up with us here on a Saturday morning. Of course, for everyone that doesn't know, and I know how that's possible, John Giannone hosts the pregame, and and he's going to have an expanded one-hour postgame show on the MSG Networks for every night, every day of the opening round, and he's going to be alongside two 
pretty decent analyst as well, Henrik Lundqvist and uh, Steve Valiquette. So, John, great stuff from you. I appreciate you. You always make uh, more than enough time for the show and for me. And for that, I thank you. And I hope that we can have more conversations on a long playoff run for the Rangers in 2022. I always appreciate that, Dave. It's always a pleasure to join you as early in the morning as we possibly can to talk hockey. And, yeah, you're right. If we're talking to each other on the air in mid to late June, then I'm sure there's going to be a lot of satisfied hockey fans in the area. So thanks. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Great stuff. So that's John Giannone. We'll take a quick break, come back, and we will look ahead to the next couple of nights with the Rangers and the Penguins. It is the Hockey Show on a Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get a little extra money in your pocket. Andy from Merrick presents Playoff Wager Plays for Saturday, May 7. Tonight, the Blue Shirts go to battle for Game 3 against the Penguins as the series moves to Pittsburgh. The game can be heard right here on 98.7 ESPN New York with coverage beginning at 6.30. While the Rangers are having a tough time slowing down Crosby, Malkin, and company, my money goes on New York with the Penguins' question marks between the pipes. Elsewhere today, I expect the Panthers, who tallied the most points in the league this year, to take care of the Capitals in an afternoon tilt in Washington. And finally, you can feel comfortable going large on the over as the high-flying avalanche face off against Nashville at 4.30 p.m. Andy from Merrick's wager plays are for entertainment only. As always, bet with your head, not with your heart. Gambling problem? Dial 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And, of course, it is the Hockey Show brought to you by the good people at Slomans. Just call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera at the installation of your Sloman Shield. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. I don't think there's a segment on the show. I don't think there's a segment I do, period, which is more enticing than this day in hockey history. So let's let's go back and let's take a look. At this very day in hockey history. Let along now to Gary. Hands it off back to Girardi. Gets it across Delzato. His shot blocked the side. Finesse move at the front by Callahan. And of course, there are the dulcet tones of one Mike Doc Emmerich, courtesy of uh, NBC Sports. May 7th, 2012, Brad Richard scores the tying goal with 7.6 seconds left in period number three. Then Mark Stahl, the defenseman, scores 135 into overtime, giving the Rangers a 3-2 victory against the Washington Capitals. Game five of the Eastern Conference semifinals at Madison Square Garden. Now, Richards ties the game when he scores off the scramble you just heard. Stahl's goal is a long shot, deflects in off a Washington defender, and goes past goalie Braden Holpe. It's the first playoff game to have a team score the tying goal in the final 10 seconds of the third period, then score the winner within the first two minutes of overtime. So I'll repeat that again because I think it's a very interesting stat. The first time in playoff hockey history... Tying goal scored in the last 10 seconds of the third period. Winning goal scored in the first two minutes 
of overtime. So that is actually 10 years ago to the day, this day in hockey history. Now let's take a look at the upcoming schedule presented by the All-American Auto Group with locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, Point Pleasant, the number one Ford Auto Group in the entire Northeast, allamericanford.net. So we continue along with the Rangers and the Penguins. There is no more Devils. There is no more Islanders. There's no more Rangers Wednesday, this team, Friday, that team. No, it's the Rangers and it's the Penguins. And then we return one week from right now. Now, of course, all Rangers first round games can be seen on MSG Networks and heard right here on the flagship station of the Rangers, 98.7 ESPN. Here's how it breaks down. Game three tonight, 6.30 against Pittsburgh, obviously. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you Pittsburgh every game. You know it's the Penguins on 98.7 ESPN. Game four, Monday, still in Pittsburgh, 6.30, still on 98.7 ESPN. Now, Wednesday, Game 5, back at the Garden, 6.30, 98.7 ESPN. We then know Game 6 will be Friday. We don't have a time yet on that. And, of course, that will, in fact, be back in Pittsburgh. So to quickly recap, tonight, Game 3, 6.30 in Pittsburgh. Monday, Game 4, 6.30 in Pittsburgh. Wednesday of next week, Game 5, at the Garden, and then next Friday, if that's necessary, right? That could not be necessary at this point. If one of these two teams wins games three, four, and five, then then we won't need a game six. But if we need a game six, back in Pittsburgh next Friday night. So that's where we are. I mean, it is the best time in sports. It is the hockey postseason. Rangers very much alive. What do they do? Well, that's why you play the games. Thanks as always to Andy from Merrick. Does a great job as our executive producer on the show. Uh, Anthony Pusick. What can I say? He thinks I have negativity about him. I have Uh-oh. nothing but love for the great Anthony Pusick. Ray Deanahan, phenomenal job as well. To everyone that enjoys the hockey show every Saturday morning, we roll as long as the Rangers roll. So, Big thanks to everyone. Of course, Joe Wiz coming up in just a moment. And then at 9 o'clock, you start a three-hour journey on this rainy Saturday morning. I'll take you till noon right here on 98.7 ESPN. So one hour, Joe Wiz, I'm back at 9 o'clock, and we'll go all around the world of sports. It's been the Hockey Show on a Saturday. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.